This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this December 16th, it's Friday. We welcome you to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. Jesperson in the house with technical producer John Hicks. Hi, all. How you feeling, pal? You and I, big day today. We're going to do good, the show. Good. Yeah. And then we're going to head uh, to another downtown Edmonton location, and, and, and we're going to co-host uh, what promises to be one of Edmonton's rip most roaring. banging holiday parties. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a good one. It's going to be a long day for the two of us, but we're excited to to hang out with our friends at Apex Automation. We're going to tell you a bit more about what they're doing uh, with uh, professional engineers across the country a little bit later on today. Right now, if, if you typically listen to the show, uh, we're breaking the mold a little bit on this Friday. Typically, surprise. Priya Devetti would join us right out of the gates. Uh, and then right around, you know, about, a, about the half hour mark into the show, we would bring you our Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber. Well, we blew it all up. We broke the mold yesterday uh, following a development out of Edmonton's City Hall. We don't spend a lot of time talking about municipal politics on this show, but we know it matters. And when there are big developments in the region that we call home, we cover them because we know that a big, huge part of our uh, listening and viewing audience expects that from us. The reads the headline in the Edmonton Journal today. Edmonton's regional transit plan is dead. People are sticking a fork in it after Edmonton City Council decided essentially to walk away from a plan that had been in the works for the better part of a decade, bringing so-called bedroom communities, although I think I may have just pissed off two of our guests with that phrase. We'll find out together with Edmonton in a collaborative regional transit plan. It would eliminate over uh, expenditures. It would it would probably be a little bit more environmentally friendly. Here's the gist, folks, in layperson's terms. You wouldn't have a city bus from St. Albert and a city bus from Edmonton within 100 feet of each other on Mark Messier Trail running back and forth. Some people don't like it. If you're part of the Edmonton Transit Union, for example, you probably don't love the plan. Well, Edmonton's council yesterday walking away from a commitment that's sending big ripples across the region uh, where more than a million people call home. Sarah Hamilton is a counselor uh, for the city of Edmonton, joining us live in the Real Talk studio, making your in-studio debut on the show, which is great to have you here around our Urban Timber Roundtable. Thanks for joining us. We've promised to get you out of here in 45 minutes or less because you have budget meetings that continue this Friday morning. Mayor Kathy Heron, for the first time in Real Talk history, joining us twice in one week in studio. But you dropped everything to be here because this is a story that greatly impacts you and your community. Absolutely. And Robert Parks making his Real Talk debut, a counselor out of uh, Strathcona County, Sherwood Park. People will recognize it's nice to have you here as well. Cheers. Uh, Counselor Hamilton, why don't we start with you? You're in the room uh, when this happens. You're in council chambers. Uh, Can you talk to us about what happened late Wednesday night into Thursday and and how you're making sense of of what a lot of people are calling a huge development, not in a good way when it comes to regional cooperation. So Councillor Knack put up essentially the funding package on the floor. It was $13 million for our first year, essentially, of being part of the regional transit transit commission. Uh, And so it was a budget debate, but we knew full well, if the money, if we're not committing the money this year, then we're out. Um, It was a long debate. We had to go in private for part of it to understand the impacts or to have a conversation about the impacts on our, uh, not just financially, but on our relationships with other, uh, other municipalities in the region. And when we came out, 
40 minutes left, we we voted. Uh, and uh, it I, I personally was shocked at the outcome. So what yeah. do you, I mean, ultimately, is this a dollars and cents decision or is this something bigger than that? Is I mean, uh, and we'll ask our other two elected representatives here because they'll have a different answer based on the constituents they serve. But is this sending a message to, to the other communities surrounding Edmonton that maybe this idea of regional cooperation might be something of the past? I don't, so I don't think that's the intention, but our intention, I don't think, matters right now. We've got two colleagues from the region sitting here. Um, my DMs are full of messages from people who are talking about the other things we cooperate on, whether it's regional planning, whether it's economic development, and they're saying maybe it's time for us to exit. Wow. Uh, Keith Gerine, uh, a longtime uh, newspaper scribe and a columnist, uh, had this to say uh, on Twitter yesterday from his official account, sobering comments from the St. Albert mayor. Uh, mayor Heron, you invoked the word heartbroken. Uh, Gerine says if Edmonton's council thinks their bizarre decision to cancel the regional transit project won't have effects on regional collaboration, they're deluding themselves, uh, says Gerine. This is one of the worst decisions this Edmonton council has ever made. How are you processing what happened, Mayor? Uh, I felt I was watching the whole debate and uh, I felt honestly when it came in that I was like punched in the gut. That's exactly how I felt. I have been cheerleading regional service delivery, regionalism, regional transit, anything regional um, for my entire life as an elected official. And to see that happen um, was, in my opinion, Sarah, apologize, it felt... Um, self-serving to Edmonton and not thinking of the bigger picture of what this region, what it means to live in this region. So people that aren't familiar with St. Albert, most people are, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's literally across the street from Edmonton. I mean, you, you just draw a line, a road cuts through, the jurisdictions begin. It's a five to 10 minute drive between the two communities. What are the implications of Edmonton's council walking away from this agreement? Like, what does it mean for people in St. Albert? What does it mean for people in the region? The, the ultimate goal of the regional transit was to eliminate duplication and to save money. And to provide a better service to the entire region. So we're back, we're, we're back, we're still going to have buses running into Edmonton and we're still going to have transit in this region, but it will be uncoordinated. It won't be planned together. It'll be more expensive. It'll be inefficient. And it'll be, as you said, bad for the environment when you have two buses doing the exact same routes. So it's, it's just poor planning and we're trying to get away from poor planning. My whole concept and approach to regional service delivery is it allows us to find efficiencies. The mayor of St. Albert here, your, your colleague in elected representative, a fellow representative in Alberta politics, calls it a punch in the gut in poor planning. Uh, the opinion columnist, Keith Gerine, uh, suggests that your colleagues are deluding themselves. Uh, I, I know that some of this stuff happens in camera. You can't spill the beans on everything. But what can you tell us about the awareness of, of this council, of your council colleagues, and, and maybe the tone of these budget conversations? Uh, are they aware of the impact that the decision was going to have on other communities like St. Albert? I think it's fair to say, and I think this was said publicly, that it was communicated that many felt it wouldn't have an impact on regional relationships. I'm afraid it signals a turn towards isolationism in our city. Um, there was a time in which we wouldn't pave 170th Street for fear that St. Albert would somehow benefit from, from like having pavement go right up to their front door. And, and 
And we got away from that. I'm afraid like we're going to be back at that kind of thinking. And, and I wouldn't blame our regional partners for thinking for, for, I'm going to say second guessing or being wary of any future agreements. Like this has, this has long legs. People aren't going to forget. It's like 10 years. It's going to be 10 years before we can get something probably back on the table. Uh, Councillor Parks representing, I know you proudly, Strathcona County, Sherwood Park, for people that don't know, approximately <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes east of Edmonton. How are you processing what happened and what does it mean for folks in Strathcona County? Well, for us, we were a bit of a fly on the wall just because we didn't join the community, com the uh, commission right away. But for us, we're disappointed. I mean, we were hoping, I think we all were hoping that this was going to work. And at some point, if it did work, we were going to join. We were going to want to talk about it there. See, because that's the kind of stuff that was said in that, that you were never going to join. So like... And yet, if something works, it would be silly for us not to join. I mean, I love how Strathcona lets us take all the risk <laughs> yeah. and they just ride in at the end. Sorry, Robert. Well, I mean, it, it's easy enough for us to say that now when it you know blows up. But at the same time, there, it's silly when you're driving down White Ave and you're seeing kids, you know, both going to university, going the same route. Some come from Sherwood Park, some coming from, you know, the, you know, that side of Edmonton. They're following each other down the darn road. I mean, it's ridiculous that we've got two buses half full when you could have one full bus doing the same route and the lack of coordination on it there. I mean, we're still going to talk about coordination out of this. The good news out of this is that nothing changes. We're still going to be able to get our buses for our kids to get into Edmonton. We're still going to be able to get our buses for the kids from St. Albert to get into Edmonton for the university to work downtown. The bad news is we're where we were 10 years ago again. Mm -hmm. So we've wasted a full decade of work out of this here with no tangible results for our residents on it. And... That's disappointing. And I mean, we don't want to see what's happening in Calgary with regionalism, where it's, you know, dueling at 20 paces. We want to see us to be able to work together here. And when, you know, the largest, you know, community in our region is pulling away from regionalism, it makes everybody take pause going, okay, do we all need to draw back a little bit here and make more decisions? And so what happens if that's the case? I mean, in a way, I mean, because I've been listening to proponents. I've, I've been hosting all the conferences and the panels, Councillor Hamilton, and I've heard all the arguments for regional collaboration and cooperation in the Edmonton Metro Region Board and all the mayors that come together in the communities. And you can understand why they can draw tourism and they can draw investment and they can draw industry and all of the things. Uh, so is this a trend that, that you can see having uh, sort of a more significant impact on the bigger theory? And if so, what direction do you forecast that the Edmonton Council might be taking? What are you reading into this? Like I said, I'm, I'm afraid that this is going to signal isolationism, that, that our concerns for Alberta stop at the borders of Edmonton. And what we've seen over the past 10 years, I think, is uh, annoying when a business picks up and goes to Leduc or goes to Sherwood Park or Spruce Grove. But we're not talking, we're talking about, you know, that those are, in, I'm going to say, inner city grudge matches. Mm -hmm. We're not, when we're talking about the big money, when we're talking about billions of dollars, we need to be competitive and we can't be competitive if we aren't aligned. Like, like if we cut out our, like more industrial communities, if we, if we cut out our, our suburbs uh, and, and no disrespect to the other municipalities here, but if, if we're cutting people out, we're not being economically competitive. So so people are going to go to Calgary. People like uh, uh, site selectors are going to go to other communities mm -hmm. in, in Ontario. We have livability, but the regional transit piece was a huge part of, of that economic development, the competitiveness piece. I appreciate uh, Shalane's watching us live streaming on, on YouTube. Um, and, and she brings this to my attention. Uh, Leduc's mayor, Bob Young. By the way, it wasn't the Toronto gal that moved here was not Leduc. She didn't move to 
Leduc, by the way, everybody. But breaking news and into, to, to interrupt conversation about government and transit and regional collaboration, it turns out that she moved to Windermere, a South Edmonton neighborhood. Leduc has just been taking punches all week. Leduc's been taking punches. People are, what's half an hour south of Edmonton? Leduc, poor Leduc. Our apologies to Leduc. To get serious, Leduc's mayor, uh, Bob Young, tweeting just a short time ago, this signals the end of the Regional Transit Commission, but I do not think it means regional transit is dead says Leduc's mayor I'm confident we can still build a regional system without a commission Mayor Heron do you agree I love Bob he's one of my favorite mayors and he's such an optimist but I don't see a path forward I think what's just to build on what Sarah's saying we were told uh five six years ago through a report called be ready or be left behind how we can be competitive as a region and three main recommendations were regional economic development so we developed Edmonton Global check uh we've one of them was infrastructure and transportation. EMRB is dealing with that through, um, the, we have a plan on that now. And the last one was regional transit. And I heard during debate, one of your counselors saying that the Be Ready or Be Left Behind report did not recommend a commission. That is so untrue. Mm-hmm. So there was so mis- much in- misinformation going on in Edmonton. I was pulling my hair out. Mm-hmm. It's completely wrong. So what happens is we, we don't know how to re- do regional transit. The government gave us millions of dollars. I think it was close to four. And we had to get special permission, right? We had to get special permission from the provincial government to 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 work on this. Yeah. 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 So they gave us $4 million grant to do how we do Mm -hmm. regional transit. It spent years. Trust was at the table. And we came up with a commission model. And so when Bob has got this great optimism on regional transit, the, the... the experts have told us the commission is the best way to do it. I don't know what Bob's talking and, about. Yeah, I think he's and, talking about sub-regional. I mean, sub-regional yeah. work will work. I mean, Edmonton to, you know, Sherwood Park, we're going to be able to do that. We can talk about maybe bus rapid transit. We can talk about a lot of good things to maybe move this forward. Yeah. St. Albert to Edmonton, sub-regional. But if we're looking at a fully coordinated route there, the route to do that was to go yeah. through a how commission. You, how do you land at the airport and get to St. Albert? You have to take a Leduc bus, then you get transferred to an Edmonton bus. Three different systems. It's... I'm always, site selectors are going to say no way. I'm curious to know as well how the, how these things happen, and uh, and, and I, I guess I'm asking you to tell tales out of school a little bit, uh, Councillor Hamilton, because at at first glance, at least as far as I can tell, it looks like a couple of your council colleagues uh, represented pretty dramatic departures from their initial positions on this. I'm talking about Councillors Ann Stevenson and Councillor Karen Tang, who we did invite to be with us this morning. She sent her regrets. Uh, my understanding was that that. They kind of flip-flopped on this. What happened? People are always curious to know what pressure was applied and from whom. I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Um, uh, you know. Is it fair to call it a flip-flop? I think I, I, I people spoke in favor of it and had voted in favor of it prior. prior so, And then yeah. voted it down. And then voted it down. Yeah. Knowing that it would cost the city $15 million this year. What, sort of, a, what sort of an influence would you say that pe- people are going, ah, there was union pressure. There has to have been union pressure. It's not responsible for a talk show like this to ask whether or not that's accurate. <laughs> a shrug on for those podcast. that are listening yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> a shrug yeah. from the I, counselor. I can't speak to that. Yeah, of course <laughs> you can't. But I got to ask the question. You understand, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're talking to Edmonton City Councilor Sarah Hamilton, the mayor of St. Albert, Kathy Heron, and Robert Parks, the counselor from Strathcona County from, from out in Sherwood Park. These conversations happen uh, because we have partners like our friends at Urban Timber who sponsor this roundtable every single week. And they're really doing some incredible stuff when it comes to design. I mean, you know, we absolutely love our our table, right? That's no secret. We've been telling you about that. Our table from Urban Timber, designed and delivered absolutely beautifully. 
But of course, they do a whole lot more as well. When it comes to design, they have the privilege, what an amazing story, of building a beautiful communal table for an indigenous community in Saskatchewan. This is, uh, I mean, an absolutely stunning work of art. It's one of the largest tables they've ever built, 10 feet round. It features Manitoba maple and river rocks embedded in a beautiful, clear epoxy finish. This is truly one of a kind. You got to check this out on YouTube. If you're, we're going to, you know what, Johnny, we'll tweet these out later today so you can see these photos. Custom metal legs designed to pay tribute to the traditional TP design. Uh, tomorrow, Urban Timber is going to be giving a sneak peek of this table before it's delivered uh, to its permanent home in Saskatchewan. You can check it out from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in their beautiful new showroom. You can find all the details at urbantimber.ca. If the new year represents new opportunities for you, you're sure of it. You can just feel it. Maybe a new job, maybe deepening your understanding of an issue or maybe a a different career path. Why not check out Canada's Open University at AthabascaU.ca. The process at Athabasca is different than any other post-secondary in Canada because you determine the pace of your studies. You need a mental health break. Your family's visiting. There's something that occurs that bumps your train off the tracks and you need to take a step back. You're not going to fall behind in your studies at Athabasca U. You can check out the dedicated faculties, the research opportunities, and so much more today at AthabascaU.ca. At Kubi Renewable Energy, you know they're providing solar energy solutions across Western Canada to power your life. That includes commercial, residential, industrial applications, and the technology with solar now more affordable than ever before. You don't need to pack your basement with batteries anymore either. They've got some great resources like answers to frequently asked questions and their blog link where you can learn more about federal grants, a 10-year interest-free loan to get solar panels up on your roof. Interest-free. You can find the details today at kubienergy.ca. And don't forget, they present positive reflections every Monday right here on Real Talk. Send us what's filling your bucket to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Councillor Robert Parks out of Sherwood Park, Mayor Kathy Heron out of St. Albert, and Councillor Sarah Hamilton joining us in studio around the Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber on this Friday morning. Uh, Councillor Hamilton, the deal uh, that a lot of people are talking about this week, it certainly raised the ire of Edmonton's mayor as far as I can tell, but your appointment uh, alongside a council colleague, Tim Cartmel, to a provincial task force that'll that'll address crime and homelessness uh, uh, around other issues as well. And of course, uh, Edmonton's mayor says he was blindsided by this, says he had no idea it was happening and that it circumvents the typical procedures for a province putting a, a roundtable or a panel or a task force together. What can you tell us about it? Uh, the panel or the task force? Your appointment to it. Um, uh, so... Uh, there was rumors, I'll say, for about a, a week or so, uh, you know, people calling and saying, if we were to do something like this, would that be something you'd be interested in? And uh, it was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, addictions, mental health, housing, three of the most or two, like some of the most significant issues I think facing not just Edmonton, but cities across North America um, any opportunity, and I use that word probably in a, it, it's not an opportunity. It's honestly a responsibility to step up to the table and make sure Edmonton has a voice there. My understanding was that the mayor had been told. Um, and uh, as far as I know, um, as soon as I got a formal invitation, because there's always invitation, like there's always 
I'll say things put out in government. Would you be interested in something like this? Until I had something in front of me, uh, things evaporate. So as soon as we actually got an invitation to participate, um, I told the mayor in his office. And what was their reception to you? Uh, they asked how, like, when when we had uh, uh, known about it, and I told them what I'm telling you now, and yeah. uh, and they indicated that they felt the government hadn't followed the proper process, and I think our response, both Councillor Carmel and I, was that um, this this wasn't an invitation to Edmonton City Council. This was an invitation to to us, and that they felt that, um, and our concern was that if we said no. Um, we don't know that what the representation would have been around the table. I'm not sure that it, they like I, I and I can't speak for them. It's their process, but I'm not I'm not sure that they move on to the next person. Yeah, um, I'm afraid that seat gets unfilled at the table. Well, and is it fair to suggest that that in the past, and I'll acknowledge it's a new premier, but for the past number of years, there hasn't been a huge inclination for this conservative provincial government to include elected representatives in Edmonton in decisions involving Edmonton or other municipalities for that matter. We've had conversations about this with Alberta municipalities many times, Mayor Heron. I think that's a very fair criticism. So, so, and I, I think we might see a similar announcement in Calgary today. This is uh, been described, and I would agree, as a whole of society problem. We need all orders of government at the table. We need our emergency services. We need everybody with the authority or the levers to do something at the table. And you need to be able to park your political differences. Yeah. So I understand why, like, if I'm the mayor and there's a task force being put together involving counselors, uh, uh, you know, that, that it, I would feel maybe a little bit pissed off because I would feel like I was being disrespected. It's a bit of a flex on the province. I would also ignore by the province, I should say. Uh, but I would also acknowledge that that's not the biggest detail that people care about. Outside of politicians, nobody is going to really care or even understand the significance of whom was consulted first. Where do you believe the province fits into the conversation on things like crime and homelessness? Like, is, is it is, at levels of government, all three of them, which level do you think is most integral to be putting the task force together, the city, the province, or the feds? I actually do think it's the province. And I say this because they ha own healthcare, they own education, um, and, and they oftentimes have the uh, levers, I'll say like the big levers to do something about it. Um, it's almost uh it's 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 like trying to for a city like Edmonton or St. Albert or Sherwood Park if like we don't have healthcare authority we don't have education authority and people come into our city centers because they can't get services elsewhere the province once you zoom out you can start to see how those um, that those uh, that concentration of services in our urban core is impacting some of these really big issues. And and I honestly think it's a big miss on the part of Edmonton for not seeing that Edmonton is not just this city. It's it's an electoral like our our a lot of people come into this city from northern Alberta, from uh, B like northern BC, from Saskatchewan, from the territories. Uh, and and as count my colleague Councillor Paquette has said, the abject failure of both the federal and provincial governments to adequately provide services in our northern centers is why many of the issues are now concentrated in Edmonton. And it's impacting the St. Elwars and the Sherwood Parks of, uh, of the region. Do you have early thoughts, Mayor Heron, on this provincial task force and, and what you're hoping comes? I mean, don't say eradicating homelessness and no. dropping crime. We all understand that. But where would you like to see it really zone in? 
I think, as Sarah has said, they've answered what we've always been asking for is to have all three levels of government at the table. And so no matter if they misstepped on how they formed it, I don't care. But at least there will be this task force. And I'm glad to see it's happening in Calgary as well. And I think Sarah and Tim will be fantastic on it. I just hope it goes fast. Like we need to get some stuff done quickly. Mm -hmm. And I, I really honestly hope they step up with what is much needed. We talked about on Tuesday is cash to run some of these, you know, shelters and affordable housing, et cetera. Uh, we need them to pay for it. Yeah. Councillor Parks. Yeah. I mean, here in Sherwood Park where we've got issues, I mean, we don't have homeless issues that are visible for us there because a lot of our homeless population finds their way into Edmonton. We don't have a homeless shelter. So, I mean, it's great that we've got our partners at all three levels finally getting into a room together and talking about this and trying to address it because trying to fix it piecemeal doesn't work. We've seen mm -hmm. this. I mean, we're seeing it at our municipal levels where we're trying to deal with, you know, affordable housing, where we're trying to deal with vagrancy, where we're trying to deal with homelessness and it's not working without help. Yeah. So this is getting everybody in a room. And as somebody from the outside, I don't care how they've set up the committee. I don't care that they didn't go through the proper route, maybe. I care that they get the right people in the room. And I know Sarah from the room there, she's been working on this with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities on the on the committees. She's dealing with these issues. She's got some level of knowledge on it there. You need to get the people that have got knowledge levels on this. Sarah's one of those people. Tim's one of those people. We need to get those people in the room that know the municipal world, that can deal with the provincial, can deal with the feds, and get them all in a room and that's what we need. So we're obviously going to be asking Edmonton's Mayor Amarjeet Sohi about this when he joins me in studio coming up on Tuesday morning. That's December 20th. He'll be here live in the Real Talk studio. But do I understand this correctly then? Do we have three thumbs up from three elected representatives from three different Metro Edmonton jurisdictions on this task force, at least at this point, at the inception of it? Or you want to you want to you want to with, withhold your endorsement at this point, Mayor, until I you see, see how it, it plays out? I see it as a sign of hope. I really honestly do. And That's, so we can't we can't ever push aside a possibility or an opportunity as, as Sarah said. So it's a sign mm -hmm. of hope that we might have some help because we need it. And it goes back to our regional conversation. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. approach homelessness and housing regionally. Yeah. Well, cause, cause we all feel it. Yeah. Like we're, we're all feeling it. I'm hesitant to now though. Yeah. And I mean, for <laughs> us, we're not looking to throw flowers at anybody's feet saying it's a great idea, yeah. great job. It's all done. This is the starting line. They've gotten to a starting line. Now, this is what we need. We needed this probably five years ago, but we've got it today. And now we've, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next best time is today. Yeah. We've planted the tree. Now we've got to get the work done on it. And so yeah. that's where we've got to move the needle. Well said. That's uh, Councillor Robert Parks out of uh, Sherwood Park joining us, uh, Strathcona County, I should say, with St. Albert's Mayor Kathy Herod. And, and if you're just tuning in on live streaming on the Mixler audio app, Councillor Sarah Hamilton joining us as well. We've got to let you go in a few minutes because budget deliberations continue. Uh, this is what is this like your sixth or seventh budget? That you've been uh, through something like that? Uh, it's my second four-year budget, yeah. but we do an adjustment every year. So, so yeah, I'm I'm five years in. So it's five like years five, in, yeah, yeah, but sort of like early in your second term, early-ish yeah. in your second term. How would you how would you stack this up for for our audience members in Edmonton? These budget deliberations and, and some of the decisions and priorities that you're seeing. I I I, I have uh, of course different um, feeds on my social media. People that have different convictions and things mm -hmm. that inspire them and things that tick them off. And um, and and it. It strikes me right now that friends of mine that are entrepreneurs um, and business owners, and again, I'm painting with big, broad brush strokes here, so it doesn't fit everybody. Uh, friends of mine that, that might qualify as more small C conservative seem to be 
royally pissed at this budget as opposed to previous ones. What's your experience been like? Uh, I yeah, my my inbox is full. I'm getting a lot of feedback. <laughs> Listen, this is always going to be a tough budget. I have two municipal colleagues sitting across the table from us. Inflation is high. Like inflation is the word of the year. I think uh, we've hit eight percent some months, uh, and and that has an impact on municipalities. We we can't go into debt on operating, so you got to get the money somewhere. Um, uh, cost of living has increased. Interest rates are increasing. There's pressure. So it was it was never like there was a myth of zero out there uh, that that we could have gone to zero we absolutely could not have without a significant impact to services that being said uh, you know i I vote against some key things. We're not seeing regional transit, which would make life easier, not just for Edmontonians, but for people across the region. Um, we've I've gotten like a full screed about the decision to fund bike lanes. I'm not against bike lanes, but there is a proposal on the table that would have seen us, uh, I'm going to say, temper that investment, which would have had an impact on our operating budget. Um, there are decisions being made, uh, and I I, I don't believe it's against the best interests of Edmontonians by any stretch, but I think that the people, we're going to end up with a four and a half, five percent tax increase. And I, I struggle with what the value we deliver to Edmontonians and, and our, our economic drivers are. On That's that. what people care most about. I mean, I, I will say this, and I'm not, I'm not going to be an apologist for, for council or the budget or anything. Quite frankly, I haven't looked at the budget closely enough to talk. But I will say at very first glance, <laughs> uh, in, in a time of 7 to 8% inflation, a property tax increase below 5 is I mean, I think a 0% increase would be ludicrous considering the implications and the cuts that would have to. I don't think that's realistic. So I think that the average person can probably look at it. And, and of course, there will be some people that are upset. There always are. And there will be some people that think that the increase isn't high enough and they're going to be upset that other things aren't being funded. And they'll say we would pay more. Uh, but there are interesting times right now. The, the bike lane thing. I have a <laughs> I have a trash talk submission here from Nils. And, and I wouldn't even get into it with the three of you in here because it, it would it would melt the TV makeup off of your faces. Uh, this is this is one of the most profane trash talks I've ever received. Uh, he doesn't even ask what the fuck. He asks what the fuck fucks he says because it deserves more than one fuck this is nils email he's so pissed about bike lanes you wouldn't even believe it we, we, we might melt the epoxy off our urban timber table if i were to read it right now but are bike lanes in in your mind and i understand this is a loaded question but but are they a bit of a red herring in conversations because com uh, the, the ire around bike lanes is not always just about bike lanes no and this is this is one of my biggest pet peeves it's fundamentally about integrated trans transportation systems that's what it is um but it's become a like bike lanes versus drivers and that there's a winner and a loser in that conversation i said as much um it it's it's uh, and, and it becomes, I, I've used this term before, it becomes a rage bait. As soon as we start talking about bike lanes, like my inbox fills up. doesn't matter what the decision is. Um, and we, when we're talking about something, I want to say as boring as transportation, as 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 fundamental as multimodality, the ability that you can just walk or roll down your street no matter where you live, it shouldn't be something people have that it shouldn't be a political it shouldn't be a political issue but it's been made into a political issue and that is a failure of politicians at the municipal level that we have made transportation a an like a political issue that's that is a a full stop failure but is it possible to not to be fighting for ideology i mean getting from getting from home to work should not be an ideological question it should be 
What is the best way for somebody to get there? For some folks, it's going to be bikes. For some, it's going to be car. For some, it's going to be walking. I live 100 yards away from County Hall. I can walk to work. I am about as you know integrated as I can be that way. That being said, you've got to be able to drive. We're doing, you're investing in roads, right? I'm getting nods. We're getting, mm-hmm. we're investing in roads. Are you investing in bikes? Yes, I'm getting nods. So, I mean, to be saying that you're not investing in transportation is saying you're not working for your people, but they are. Whether it's bike, car, canoe, I don't care. As long as people <laughs> are able to get to work properly, that's what people should be worrying about. And, f- and for every person on a bike or on a bus, that's one less car in the road. So those that continue to drive, there's always going to be yeah. drivers. It's to their advantage to have less congestion. Yeah, right? but no, but no, but you're using logic and reason, Mayor, and there's no room for and that in conversations spending, about is, bike lanes. Hundred million on bike lanes, but what are you actually spending on roads? It's it's about four billion dollars, two billion on LRT. Ratio that out. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that, but it, but but the six like what it's a, a lightning I'm, rod. Yeah, it's yeah. a lightning rod, and if you start stop talking about it as bike lanes and start talking about it as like fleshing out or making whole your transportation infrastructure then it says to people that there's a place for you in that when you just talk about it as bikes the same way when we just talk about building roads it says like everyone else and their dis- their their choices don't matter and as a municipal governor i've always been about optionality like when you wake up in the morning if you're like i can't speak for sure park but but if when you wake up in the morning you should have the option to to uh walk or take transit or bike if it's a nice day or a really bad day i guess and be safe doing it and be safe doing it or drive like like you should have those options yeah um i gotta let you go because you have to be in budget meetings and where are you you're going you're going isn't there sort of like an interesting irony with regards to what's going on right now in your world the irony is i'm going to a meeting of all the regional mayors of the edmonton metro region board uh Sadly, Amarjeet won't be there because he's in budget, but I think it would have been a very awkward day, you know, but we got to get over the awkwardness. Well, what do you think the vibe's going to be this morning? I bet you most of the mayors feel exactly like I do, um, punched in the punched stomach. Punched in the stomach. Yeah, we we um, have had great relationships with Edmonton in the past, and it just seems to be eroding away, and I, I and I don't know how to save it. It's going to be the morning after a long night. I mean, you sort of wake up there, you feel a little tired, you're a little groggy going, what the heck just happened here? And I think that's what you're looking at here. I'm just going to jump in on transportation really quick. So you're spending 6.1 billion apparently on transportation, Mm -hmm. 4 billion on roads, 2 billion on LRT, 100 billion, a lot of money Mm -hmm. on bikes, but it's 5%. If not that. even not I mean even. it's yeah. it's almost a rounding error is what yeah. you're spending on it so yeah. mm-hmm. that's I think people need to be able to put things like that in, in perspective, perspective that it's a hundred million I know nobody wants to talk about perspective it's boring <laughs> but at the same time there I mean it's a hundred million of 6.1 billion it's a billion huge number bigger than anybody's gonna be able to understand I mean Elon Musk you know can buy a quarter of Twitter oh, with it, it. oh <laughs> now you got a drink you got a drink you brought oh, up sure. Elon Musk wait, no this wait, is wait, wait. am I to understand then that in the next budget Robert Parks will be championing uh intermodal transportation in Sherwood Park we've got a great uh, <laughs> integrated trail network in Sherwood Park that you can get faster than on the roads from one end of Sherwood Park to the other through the trail network what a dodge <laughs> I thought so. That was, was really amazing. <laughs> that was incredible. Come to Sherwood Park. I just have a former MLA now asking me about bike lanes again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah.
That is uh, Robert Parks. He's a counselor in Strathcona County. Kathy Heron, as you know, the mayor of Sherwood Park. And of course, Sarah Hamilton, yeah. the counselor of the city of Edmonton. Mayor of Sherwood Park, no. Uh, what did I say? St. Albert. Oh, did I just say that? Good oh, my job. gosh. Hey, congratulations on your run. election. The, you're <laughs> going to be the first to hold office there. in two jurisdictions. <laughs> Kathy Heron is indeed the mayor of St. Albert. <laughs> and uh, Sarah Hamilton, still, I think, in Edmonton, right? Aren't you, counselor? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's city of Edmonton. Hey, the three of you, our audience, should know. Sometimes when a story like this develops, uh, we blow up plans. We had a, we had a roundtable plan that was, it, it, we call it evergreen. It will stand the test of time. We'll produce it again another week. But this was something we had to talk about. The three of you adjusted your schedules to make it happen to join us in studio. And we always appreciate a commitment to real talk. Thank you. Thank you. You can let us know what you think about this to talk at ryanjesperson.com. As mentioned, Edmonton's Mayor Amarjeet Sohi joins me live in studio on Tuesday, December 20th. The conversation is presented by sponsors like our friends at McBain Camera. They know that this time of year, a lot of you are going, oh boy, I have left everything to the last minute. But you want to come up with a gift that makes it look like you put a ton of thought into it, right? Enter the Nikon Pro Staff Binoculars. McBain, your destination this holiday season for unique gift ideas like these Pro Staff P7 10 by 42 binoculars from Nikon. They get you up close and personal with birds and wildlife, even as the fleeting winter daylight fades. Can you hear the crunch under your boots or your snowshoes as you make your way through and, and catch that, oh, what's a beauty? Maybe a blue jay? Maybe a warbler? I better stop talking birds, Johnny. I don't know too much about them, but I do know you can save $60 on this powerfully portable binocular set, just $209.99 for the holidays right now. You can also save up to $600 on a huge selection of Nikon cameras and lenses right now at McBain. You can visit them in-store or chat with a team member online at McBainCamera.com. At Friesen Brothers, 16 locations across the province of Alberta, they are preparing for their Christmas traditions that includes putting together dozens and dozens of their Ukrainian-inspired Christmas dinner boxes. You can pre-order them today at Friesen.com for pickup around that December 23rd, 24th window. You're going to want to get it in-house. It's nice and easy to reheat, so you're just setting the table, socializing, mixing and mingling with family and friends, loved ones, not mashing potatoes over the stove for 25 minutes. We tried this Ukrainian Christmas dinner box in advance a couple of weeks ago. The turkey blew our mind. The in-house made cranberry sauce, unbelievable. The lazy cabbage rolls, the carrots and creamy dill sauce. It's $60 to feed four people. That's $15 a person pre-ordered at Friesen.com. Johnny and I mentioned we're both going to be hanging out with the team at Apex Automation tonight. It's their company Christmas party. They celebrate like no other firm that we've ever seen. They value their people over profits, and it shows through every element of this business. If you check out apexautomation.ca, you can check out the projects that they're working on and the partnerships that they have, like a thermal integrated control center, super cool stuff. They've also done a lot of work in thermal heavy oil facilities and coal mines, chemical facilities, power generation, MDF plants, SAG-D well pads, you name it. They've got the energy industry covered and they're always hiring. Check out the careers link today if you're a professional engineer looking for a great opportunity at apexautomation.ca. And for those of you that through the summer months, looked out at your back or front yard and said, we can do better. A reminder, there's no day like today to get in touch with Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. What a great stocking stuffer, a certificate or a note that grants somebody a consultation 
with Mike and his design team. You want to get the ball rolling on your landscape plans for the spring now so you can get all the permits covered. They can start ordering the materials. You can fine-tune those blueprints so as soon as the ground thaws, they're making progress on your project. You can check out their services, their portfolio, learn more about their return customers and referrals at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, of course, the talk across the country this week has been this Toronto life piece, right? We've had some fun with it, obviously. Clickbait, hate reads, whatever you want to call it. Uh, A gal by the name of Jackie Thomas uh, told a journalist, Alex Sear, with Toronto Life that she moved to Alberta and hated everything about it. And after three months, she came back to Toronto. It's kind of a funny story, and it's prompted everybody to jump to the defense of these Western Canadian markets like Calgary and Edmonton that oftentimes seem to get a raw deal from Eastern Canadians, especially those in Toronto. It turns out, by the way, as we mentioned previously, she didn't move to Leduc like everybody had been saying. She was indeed in Edmonton. So again, a shout out to our friends and neighbors in the city of Leduc, unfairly targeted this week. We wanted to find the story of somebody who moved to Edmonton from Toronto and is loving it. And we're really excited that Greg Smith has agreed to join us this morning. Just a short time ago, he headed west to take a fantastic new job with the YWCA of Edmonton. And I know that they're thrilled to add him to their team. Greg, making his Real Talk debut. Thanks for making time for us this morning. Hi, I'm morning, Ryan. And thanks for having me. And thanks to the listeners. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. A, a mutual friend of ours reached out and, and, and she said, you got to talk to Greg. He moved from Toronto to Edmonton and he's loving life in Edmonton. What's your story, Greg? Ah, well, it, it has been a wonderful experience so far. And, you know, um, I must shout out to my CEO and the team at YWC who made it really a smoothing um, transition for me. So, I mean... I think over the last two years, thereabout, I mean, I migrated to Canada in 2018. I've been living in Toronto since 2018. Um, enjoyed it there for the first few months of it. But then I think after a while, it just came so stagnant for me. Um, high-rise buildings, yes, of course, Niagara Falls, CNTO, you can go over the island. But that's all, really, to, um, to Toronto of it. Um, of course, there's job opportunities there, but I think there's greater opportunities in terms of quality of life in the West. And so I first came to, I was introduced by a friend of mine in Calgary to Alberta. So I came to um, Calgary December 2020 in the pandemic. Um, I really liked it there. And so I booked um, my, my, well, my birthday, June 8th last year, um, that I wanted to spend it in Alberta. And so it was a really nice trip going to Jasper, going into the mountains. Because for me, I really love nature. Um, You know, going to Les Louis, going to BAM. It was just so exciting. And before I could have finished my vacation, uh, my birthday trip, I paid on a house in Calgary. Just right at the airport, I made a deposit just before I board my flight. And then that has been history. Um, I loved it. I took my daughter here last year in Calgary. She loved it as well. Loved the mountains, loved the scenic view. And so I just put all my energy since last year that I really need to find a job in Alberta. And so I really started job hunting um, with not having a property in Alberta. And and then I just, now I visited... um, 
Edmonton, I think twice. And then the opportunity to know the why, which is really amazing, um, the wonderful staff that I have working with and my colleagues, the other directors and my CEO. And so the transition has been wonderful. Um, my daughter will be joining uh, me um, tomorrow, in fact, to be here in Edmonton. It's her first time in Edmonton. And she's looking forward. I mean, Edmonton, I think, is good. Less traffic than what is in Toronto. Cost of living here is far way better. The scenic view, you have mountains that you're able to go, you can go. There's so many activities for me. I really liked it here. And so I'm really sorry for those who have had the opportunity or who would have experienced something else different so far than what I have. But I think um, it, it, it's a good feeling so far and looking forward to embrace it. Yeah, this is uh, I, I think that you're going to get some sort of endorsement partnership with Explore Edmonton here because the way that you characterize life here, I don't know that anybody will find the words better than yours. This is great. You're going to find yourself all over billboards on campaigns across the country right now. When, when, you, when you were talking to your, your friends, uh, even your colleagues in Toronto about considering a move west, uh, did they have a message for you? Did, did, did you sort of realize something about any preconceived notions about life in Western Canada from people that call Toronto home? Oh, yeah. First of all, my colleagues at work, um, when they heard about, oh, they said, Greg, the weather condition, um, it's very bad out there and stuff like that. But for me, I, I, I like a warm, I like the cold. I mean, even here, despite the minus degrees here for me, um, pretty fine. I mean, once you're able to dress warm enough, I think um, that's fine. But what I've also realized that since I have moved a number of my friends in Toronto thinking about moving here as well, because one, it's clearly undoubtedly you can't um, deny the fact that once you moved here, your quality of life changes. Um, simple thing for me, even what I'm paying here for a two bedroom, two bathroom apartment, my one bedroom in Toronto cost me more than that. Yeah. You can't, you can't want better than that. That's a difference in quality of life that you, you have. So um, there are quite a number of persons initially before they had reservation about moving to the West. The weather condition is bad. It's unpredictable. But I think once you mentally you're prepared for that, um, you love the weather itself. You love nature itself. Those are just minuses of what the pluses provided. I understand that you just purchased your first parka. Oh, yeah. So, um, of course, uh, my team, um, led by my CEO, um, we have some adventurous um, activities to do. And so looking forward for those um, in the winter. Um, as a Caribbean um, individual, um, you know, grew up all my life in the Caribbean, just moved here four years ago. So going in on a lake um, that is frozen, you have some reservations. <laughs> But I'm sure I'm sure and I'm quite sure I'll take my CEO guidance that we're gonna be fine. We're gonna have and so I'm open to that and looking forward um for those new adventures. Um and also to share them with my daughter. I think we're gonna love it here. Yeah, that's amazing. How old's your daughter? Um, she's fourteen. Chelsea. Oh, very cool. So that she's she's at a at a an age where she'll have an appreciation for for the things that you can approach with a bit of childlike wonderment, and then also some of the things you can grow into as an adult. And as you sort of start to explore your new surroundings, that'll be wonderful that, to welcome her here as yeah. well. I mean, as I said, I we went to Banff in um in the summer, and she she liked it. She liked the nature. Um, so it, it has a different feel, and the air quality is just totally different. Um, you're able to um, have an environment that if you want to relax, you can 
you can drive go to go somewhere not as how it is in toronto um that there's quite a number of high-rise buildings i mean once you have outlived going to niagara falls you have outlived going to the cnto you have outlived going to across the the, the the islands i mean there's nothing else um there for you to do so um I'm, I'm excited being here um and i think the persons who i have um are in, within my circle know they're making it even more exciting for me. yeah do you have i would imagine like when you're corresponding with friends and family that may still be you, you were you were originally in jamaica is that correct before you moved to toronto Right. So I was in originally in Jamaica, um, worked there for the majority of my life. I think I moved at age 40 and I moved to the Cayman Islands, worked there for a few months. And then I moved to Toronto um, in September 2018. So what do your friends and family uh, still down in the Caribbean make of like minus 35, minus 42 with wind chill, uh, insulating yourself in coats that are made out of sleeping bag material? How do they wrap their minds around your new life? Well, um, that, well, that's something my mom and I had. We had a talk about that. She just said, "Well, keep, keep, keep warm." <laughs> uh, my my daughter, I know we're going really down into some minuses next week. So I have, I think I shared it with her last night. But I told her she'd be fine. Um, you know, so that, I, I think they they themselves are surprised about these temperatures here. But um, they're they're also, I'm quite sure, want to experience it because most persons back in the Caribbean may not have experienced snow, these kind of weather conditions. So I'm quite sure they're all open to it. A lot of them, they are open to, to have those exploration. And quite a number of them, friends who I knew who have um, visitors visa to Canada is already wanting to come to Edmonton because of the scenery that I've been showing them. I mean, they are excited about that as well. Amazing. Yeah, there's nothing quite like you. You pass through Hinton. Uh, you know, I recommend people stop at a Friesen Brothers, grab some beef short ribs or, you know, some sourdough cinnamon buns. And then, as you know, the gateway to the Rocky Mountains into Jasper National Park, there's nothing like it as the, the mountainscape kind of sneaks up on you. And all of a sudden, there you are right in the middle of it, you know. And and so part of, part of one of the things that I want to do um, really was even um, last year there, I think in Jasper, you have that glass walk over that. I wanted to do that, but it, it rained that day. And so, you know, just even the, the, the fact of you going through the national park, you're able to see bears, you're able to see foxes, things that in a normal sense, even in Toronto, you would not see those things yeah. because they are not there. So it, it, it's about um, what are some of the experiences in, you know, teaching my daughter um, that she'd be able to see these different animals that she's not seen back home in Jamaica. And so it, it's just create that opportunity that the landscape of Canada, it is rich in its, its, its capacity to offer different culture and experiences to individual. And I think more so in Edmonton and its environment, it, it, it's great. Um, you love it. I think, you know, persons who may want to move back to Toronto may not have been at the right place in, in terms of for their transition. And so the experience may not be that well for them. The culture shock is different, but I think mentally you have to prepare yourself. Um, you just don't move because you may, well, yeah, one of the contributing factors is that you pay less tax here. Now what you pay in Toronto, quite sure that's a lot of savings. Um, but again, you, I think you have to have that intrinsic um, liking for nature 
and what it has to offer and not a city person. I am not a city person. And so for me, Edmonton is perfectly fitting for me. Yeah. Plus it's a way better hockey team to cheer for. So you got that too. Hey, Greg, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, this uh, YWCA team, their their hearts are exploding having added you. And and, and by all the reports that I've heard, uh, you're making already huge contributions. You're titled Director of Disability Services. Is that correct? Yes, that's awesome. great stuff, my man. Well, thanks for joining us here on Real Talk. And, and I know it's a little bit belated, but a very warm welcome uh, to the capital city here in Alberta, to Edmonton. We're lucky to add you and uh, have a wonderful weekend. And thanks very much for having me, Ryan. And thanks very much again to my staff, my colleagues, the directors, and my CEO, who has made the transition um, for me here being very smooth and welcoming. And I look forward to continue contributing to the Y and its wider capacity as its director for disability services to make the lives of our children and families who um, have disability that their lives will be much smoother with my leadership. Unbelievable stuff. Well, it's always nice to meet a new friend, Greg. Thanks for doing this show. Take care, my man. All right, thanks very much, Ryan. Take yeah, care. I love it. That guy's a class act. Boom. I love that. Boom. There you go. There you go, Toronto. Rebuttal. <laughs> I mean, he just nails it. I yeah. mean, why does one have to be better? It just suits. doesn't have to be. It's, just, it's different. just different. It's just different. I was saying in the chat, you know, I was born in Miami. Yeah. Tropical almost paradise of north america right it must be difficult to not still be in miami do you ever do you ever kind of go why did we move north well i moved when i was like seven or eight years old but still i grew you up you could be wearing sperry topsiders and, and yeah you totally know, mesh tank tops right well, now duly, but. i could get out of here but i lived in the gta i grew up there my whole life when i was 21 went out to bc lived in vancouver for seven years toronto's ca- great came to edmonton great. went back to Kelowna because I thought BC I missed it came back to Edmonton you know what Edmonton suits me better there was more opportunity I met my wife here like it doesn't have to be someone said in the chat no Edmonton is not better than Toronto what do you mean better it's just different (laughs) like some people don't like taking an hour and 15 minutes to get downtown to work yeah somebody some people like 20 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the 75 to 90 minute commute back to your $2.4 million mm-hmm. 1,100 square foot two bedroom <laughs> condo right? is a difficult trip in Toronto. But I mean, there's trade offs. We were talking about it yesterday. A, a little bit more d- diversity and culture in terms of music and food in Toronto, uh, but worse traffic. I mean, you could go pros and cons for every city. It's it's really up to you. Does it does it work for you? Does it make you happy? And this guy just nailed it with, with the outside, the nature being, and people People always say, well, Edmonton's not that close to nature. What are you talking about? Jasper, Elk Island. Banff. Well, Elk Island's Calgary, 40 minutes. Elk Island. You, like, you can go get chased by a bison. I, uh, I should show a video. What? Okay. For so, you? Yeah. So back about four years ago, I, I went to this. Elk Island and I, 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 I meandered way too close to a bison while my wife was videotaping oh, and geez. it... <laughs> And it took it took a run at me, and I I took a lot of flack on social media, being like you're an idiot, and I was an idiot. How close did it get to you? I just wanted to get cl- uh, it got got pretty close. Like, like I wanted to get a, five feet. Yeah, I wanted to get like two or three meters from it. Right, oh, just geez. I didn't want to be like you know I wanted to because they're right on the side of the road, and people pull over and they True. take pictures. So I got out and just. But most kinda, of those people are tourists. Johnny. Yeah, and they are wow. <laughs> they're huge. For, for little chubby guys <laughs> and gal, like they. <laughs> They're quick. They're huge. They're huge. And and 
yeah, so I I don't go near bison anymore. They're one of those. They're one of those animals. My cousin actually has like a this is this is going to go off on a tangent, but my cousin Jonathan Jesperson has a, like Ooh. a kind of like a petting zoo type business, and uh, so he can go to like different parties and and uh, you know he'll you'll see him in the odd mall or things like that, and he'll set it up and he can do the like little billy goats and and things like that and mm. chickens and all the all the fun little petting zoo type stuff, the rabbits. And then he's got a like a domesticated bison. What that do you mean, domest- like a pet? Yeah, it's a pet. <laughs> like he literally has it at his farm. It's in an enclosure. He's sleep in bed with I him? think it was like orphaned. I don't remember the exact story, but he has these wild photos of him just like standing on its back. I've tweeted them before. I'll see if I can go oh back and find gosh. them. It's like it's like it's like a, a super chill bison, uh, <laughs> which is like, I don't know how to quite describe its demeanor except for that it's just you know you have a bit of it's like people that have like a, a trained we were talking about this with the ceo of the calgary zoo earlier this week and he, he points mm. out how people have like keep like big cats and tigers you don't even need permits in canada he says you can have a primate in your backyard you don't need a permit mm-hmm. he wasn't saying that was a good thing by the way uh but but you know you understand that these animals have their natural instinct but they're also quote unquote domesticated mm-hmm. and so that's the real trip being around this bison is because you can walk right I've done it I've like tussled its hair with my hand and when it's and like you said when it breathes and when you're right up close to it you're like this they're yeah. just magnificent is the word that comes to mind I mean this thing is like this I don't even it's like the size of a jeep mm-hmm. I mean it's just huge mm-hmm. unbelievable I remember the first time I came to Edmonton I, I stayed you know a, a local club owner set me up to DJ one weekend he said, hey, I think you should move out to Edmonton. I think it would be good for you. There's a lot of opportunity for DJs because Toronto d- d- dense with DJs. Cut Everyone, throat. right? Yeah. So I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I'm not moving to freaking Edmonton, but I'll take this guy's money and, and take a weekend, you know, out of yeah. out of Ontario. Sure, the big smoke. And I came out here and he put me in a hotel, the Matrix. Is it still there on White Ave? Uh, the the Matrix of, Hotel, yeah, I think so. No, that, no, you're not thinking of the Matrix. You're there was of another one like the Matrix on White Ave. Yeah, the Barcelona yeah. and, and the other one, yeah. Anyways, and the first thing I did was drop on my bags and walk down White Ave, and I was like, what are people talking about? Like, Edmonton, this is great. Little yeah. shops, culture, people walking around with coffees. This is just like Toronto, only... I'm not getting whizzed by by uh, you know bike delivery guys and and you know sure so I I had a really great time when I first moved to Edmonton. Kimberly said on here about the person who wrote the article if she was happy in the first place in Toronto she wouldn't have moved yeah so yeah. it's like <laughs> I, I I don't really like take those articles seriously I we've we've had some fun with it she she did an interview with with uh, my former colleagues at Breakfast Television Toronto mm-hmm. yesterday and people are saying she didn't really do herself any favors <laughs> she didn't do herself any favors by doing BT Toronto yesterday I love this from Charlotte. Uh, on our live chat good morning to you charlotte she says we had to move out to ontario for opportunities because we had no choice but we missed uh, the alberta landscape and the entrepreneurial spirit and we moved back after living in toronto for the exact reasons that your guest greg just said that's cool um others i love this one from brenda what a great comment brenda says greg brings a smile to me as i continue to heal uh brenda i don't know the story but we're sending you healing vibes today uh, i love this from tracy with positive thoughts friendly neighbors any community can become home i've tried to be more welcoming in our little neighborhood and i've learned some new recipes as well tracy i love that that's old school one of the things we love about our neighborhood we live in this architectural heritage zone mm-hmm. oh, the houses are all like 100 years old right and it's a beautiful little area. yeah it's a cool area and, and there's no front garages this isn't a rip at the suburbs it's just a different design but there's no front garages the, the, the homes the majority of them have front boot rooms front porches yeah you know stoops basically where people can hang out and 
you know, things like evenings, like I think of Halloween as an example. That's one example. People will bring out these like little fire bowls, you know, little temporary fire pit type ideas and have little crackling fires in their front yards. Mm -hmm. In the summer, people hang out in the front yards. And the, the advent, I once heard a, so, uh, a city planner uh, that called Montreal home. It was at this conference and he was talking about how how urban design, how uh, residential design, how suburban design um, has really championed these front garage style homes mm -hmm. where people want the convenience to like roll in. Drive right they in. have their two cars parked in the winter months and they're covered and they're heated and then the, the bedroom goes over the garage and everybody knows the style. Mm -hmm. But what it did was kill the vibe of people socializing in their front yards. More and more people want the privacy of going to their backyard or they stay in the house or the rec room or what have you. Uh, but like what Tracy's describing here, like th that sort of small neighborhood vibe where where people just tend to congregate and socialize in the same general areas, mm -hmm. in this case, the front yards. Yeah. And, and, it, and it does something to the relationships that you create around you. Yeah. I also liked how Greg was like talking about Niagara Falls and the skyscrapers and the CN Tower. And I felt the same way when I was younger. People are like, oh, you came from the GTA. Toronto was like, you know, 30 minutes away. You could have done anything. I'm like, man. There's only so many times you go up the CN Tower. There's only so many times you can go out to the edge of Lake Ontario. So many times you can take a trip to Niagara Falls. But uh, the thing I really love about the West Coast and eventually Alberta was just all these little pockets. Like if you want to go to BC, you can drive over there. It's right there. If you want to go out to Jasper and see, oh my gosh, the crystal clear blue water and the mountains and the animals, you can do that. Oh, yeah. If you want to go back home and, and, and shelter and and be just outside the city where it's not noisy, you can do that too. If you want to live downtown in the hustle and bustle, it's kind of like you have all these options and that's why it fit well for me. Yeah. But I love how Greg was like, said the same thing. It's what like, if, it just worked for me. Yeah. And why does that have to be a bad thing? Why does it have to be? No, it's not. Like, what do you want, Toronto? You want us all to move? Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this. Oh, by the way, from Cactus Sheriff chiming in on the chat says, my mom has a halter trained bison. She what? had it in her living room. Yeah, this is wild. This is so wild. I want I people to email us pictures of their domesticated bison. The bison <laughs> in the living room. What happens if it has to go? I mean, that's right where my mind goes immediately. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Send us your photos of your domesticated bison <laughs> or other large animals. You know, you never know with it, with an audience like, like real talks that's, you know, a decent size. When you start, when you start asking things like, do you have a domesticated large cat? There is someone in this audience that does keep a, a, mm -hmm. a, a tiger. I guarantee it. There's somebody that does have venomous snakes or, mm. or an orangutan yeah. in their backyard. You can send us photos and, and represent your side of the coin here. And I'm torn on that. Cause I see the people with like, they've got, you know, like pigs in their homes and I'm like, is that a the good pot belly pig? Or like they've even got goats and stuff. Yeah, living sure. in their houses the little jumping and stuff goats. and i'm like so where is the line like definitely you don't want tigers in backyards right well some people do i don't want a tiger in the backyard next to me but even then where do you draw the line like what about oh my gosh here we're gonna go off on a big tangent but what about like all the pilot projects some of the cities have people that are keeping uh urban hens they're keeping chickens in their yard what about the people that are hen keeping day. keep hen day yesterday with senator paula simons what a great interview that was or what, what about people that are keeping bees in the city would you want your neighbor keeping bees the answer is it wouldn't affect you one bit. It's actually a great idea. And <laughs> having more, more pollinators, bees. the yeah, better. And yeah, I was, I was trying to, that was my little plug for keeping bees. Um, you know, these conversations don't happen, quite frankly, at all without the support of sponsors like our friends at Park Power. And they want to remind you that it takes 
two minutes or less to compare utility rates right now. Why not find the rate that's right for you? You could be paying twice as much as you need to for electricity or natural gas right now. Never mind internet. They do all three at parkpower.ca. Check this out. You you go to parkpower.ca, go to compare rates. You choose, let's say, electricity, for example. And then it's going to ask you, well, where do you need the electricity? Is it at home? Is it your business or at your farm? Do you have a solar PV system installed? You can check out their power buyback rates. You click through and you find all of a sudden you may be able to save literally hundreds of dollars a month by bringing your business to Park Power. Never mind the $70 they're going to give you back right out of the gates when you use the promo code 2022-REALTALK to bring your business over to the friendly local utilities provider, the family-owned business that is Park Power. One of our other favorite family-owned businesses are the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. A shout-out to the Cardinal and Lieber families this morning. They want to remind you that no matter what you're celebrating this holiday season, there's nothing like the celebration that's ramped up with a Dairy Queen cake. That's right. Any occasion is a happy occasion with a Dairy Queen cake from Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road. And while you're there picking up your cake, make sure you pick up one of their signature stack burgers. My personal Personal recommendation this week, John, I'm going to go with this Steakhouse Stacker. Yeah, the Steakhouse Stacker. That's the one that comes with the the big onion ring on top. Of course, they've also got the Flamethrower, the Bacon Two Cheese Deluxe, and the original Signature Stack Burger. That's why at Rudy's Choice at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. If you're going to be out in Sherwood Park, why not take a second to go say hello to the team at Sherwood Dodge? They're taking orders right now, pre-orders on these Dodge Hornets that everybody's talking about. You can tour that new whip at SherwoodDodge.com. St. Albert Dodge will have them as well. You can browse their pre-owned and new vehicle inventories online, chat with a salesperson, or go see them in person. Find out how they'll value your trade ahead of time. So you know what the financial situations looking like as you choose your new ride from Sherwood or St. Albert Dodge. Every Friday, we wrap up our podcast week, so to speak, with a a tradition presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. You can keep it local at localenvironmental.ca today. It's a chance for you to get whatever you need off your chest, earmuffs, kids, because it's time for Trash Talk! Yeah, that's right. This one here from Megan, who sent us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. She says, Ryan, Johnny, and the rest of the Real Talk audience, you're all wrong. The most spectacular athlete in Canada right now is decathlon gold medal winner Damian Warner. Hmm. Megan says, while not the most well-known athlete in the world, like you guys talking about Alfonso Davies versus Connor McDavid, it is generally accepted in the athletics world that the decathlon winner is the greatest of all time. Second place in Canada, she says soccer legend Christine Sinclair. Third place, Alfonso Davies. Respectfully submitted, she signs off. Megan, oh. what about the... What about this one from Albert? Who says, uh, please allow me to give your audience a view that is being withheld from them. It says, auto-loading rifles are without a question the most dangerous rifle a hunter could choose. It is the fellow hunters that are in the most danger. He says, just like its name when the gun is fired, it automatically ejects the empty and loads a live shell and is instantly ready to fire, only waiting for you to move your finger just a quarter inch. Only the auto-loaders don't give you a choice about reloading. Now, it may not seem like much, but a gun that is always ready to kill is much more dangerous when forgotten safeties and slips and things you can't control 
and buck fever and normal shit's happening, all pointing toward a bad accident waiting to happen. He says they're notoriously the most inaccurate gun you can buy. If you're a good hunter, accuracy's paramount. Good hunters pass up shots when the animal's vital organs are not in clear sight. Now, once a shot's fired, everything changes instantly, he says. I have little respect in the context of C-21 and talking about gun laws for hunters that would choose, out of all the very good guns available, one that is the most unsafe for their fellow hunters. He says Saskatchewan needs to shut up about guns. Can you say Colton Bushy? Alberta, can you say assault rifles and body armor at Coots? Four homegrown attempted murder charges? Let your fans, Jespo, know that by a huge margin, us hunters are safe. The truth is they need to know, though, that autoloaders are unsafe, even in the hands of safe hunters. Let's talk about that. That from Albert. Okay, really serious about the earmuffs on this one, everybody. This is from Nils, who says, First of all, Jesperson, this is my first communication with the show, and man, do I have some F-bombs to deploy. So heads up to all your family listeners. First of all, what the fucks? Yeah, that's plural, because it deserves more than one fuck. Is Edmonton City Council's rationale for spending $100 million on bike lanes? There are way more important things that the city should be spending $100 million on than fucking bike lanes. He says, and I'm including homelessness, potholes, snow and ice removal, rec centers. Even if they spent $100 million on a grade three class to figure out how to work a working public transport system, it doesn't get delayed. That would have my vote over bike lanes. He says all this going green stuff is optical nonsense. We live in a city that has winter more than reasonable conditions to ride a bike. Disagree with you there, Nils. He says, but let's talk about electric cars too. And this whole phasing out gas by 2030. More going green optical nonsense. The infrastructure requirements to facilitate this is enormous. Now, I'm not opposed to being better to our planet and making our planet better, but our plans are short-sighted and verbal and optical bullshit. We're just trying to feel better about ourselves and mandate things that won't work anyway. Let's just be honest. Tell us to buy horses and carriages because soon that'll be the only option we'll have. But our taxes will go up again because who's going to pick up all the horse shit? Signing off, Nils, who says, P.S. Much love. You want to jump in, Johnny, with your own trash talk? Oh, the live studio audience, big fans of bike lanes. What about this one from Aaron, who says, if the left thinks that only the right is toxic, look at the comments of Edmonton, or rather Alberta's advanced education minister, Dimitrios Nikolaitis, defending this stuff, just like Justin Trudeau as a school teacher. Can we all agree this minister is not a dumb guy? But just because people hate him, tying him to the KKK is not a good or smart thing to do. People liken Notley to the Reds, Daniel Smith to the Nazis, Nazis. Jordan Peterson still teaching at University of Toronto. Do we truly believe that these students are so influenced in their classes they have no voice? I hope not. Aaron says, this is why I gave up on this whole shit show a long time ago. Never run for politics. It'll only destroy empathy, any kindness that exists in your soul. People are like soccer fans, and their brand is the only one. Really? It's tyranny, says Aaron. I love politics as a game, but it's like a cage match without a cage, and it hurts my heart because there's real life life implications real life implications are what we're all about here on the show we want to know how the stories you're hearing about are impacting you you can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com hit us up on twitter instagram tiktok at real talk rj trash talk is presented by our friends at local environmental services coming up on monday we're going to talk to a family that says they're leaving alberta because they couldn't find opportunity 
The guy's a surgeon. She's a talented professional as well. It's a big loss. Tuesday, Mayor Amarjeet Sohi joins us in studio. And Wednesday, Real Talker Lou Jobs is going to be here with me as well. We've got a great week in store. In the meantime, make it a great weekend. Tell your friends about Real Talk. Share our shows. Like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all the things. We sure appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Dubetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Ori Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.